A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowd heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over over the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to Thanks God. Be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is one of my favorite stories. I remember once when I was a little girl, my Sunday school teacher gave baskets to her helpers and they distributed saltines with tuna on them. When the baskets came back and we had finished eating our snacks, my Sunday school teacher lifted the cloths that were lining the bottom of the baskets, and lo and behold, they were more saltines with tuna. I was in first grade at the time, and as you can imagine, the whole class was excited. We were even more amazed when she counted the baskets. She had 12 of them. For some, the feeding of the multitudes is a miracle or a story that inspires the same childlike wonder and trust in a God that delights in creation and in God's children. These miracles are symbols of the kingdom of heaven and a glimpse of the beloved community. But in the Gospel of Matthew, this short story is rich with many textual evocations to other ideas and themes in the scriptures. First, it evokes the story of God feeding Israel manna in the desert, and Jesus himself makes these connections in John chapter 6. Jesus does not see himself as creating a new miracle, as he is not a new God, nor is he even promoting worship of a new God. But Jesus continues to embody the actions of a God that the people already knew, loved, and worshipped. Jesus performs miracles that the people of God had already been trained to recognize. Second, this story evoked the idea that Jesus was the Messiah 
Jesus was the one who was going to usher in the Messianic age. In 2nd Baruch, which is a prophetic text written shortly after the destruction of the temple and the exile of Jewish people from Rome, the prophet states, the reappearance of manna is a symbol that the time of the Messiah has come. Since the Gospel of Matthew was written maybe around the same time or even a little bit after 1st and 2nd Baruch, it's not too big of a stretch to imagine that the writers of the Gospel of Matthew use this sign of the Messiah coming to point to Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah as he was the one who caused manna to appear again. Third, the feeling Third, the feeding of the multitude evokes the mystery of the Eucharist and of Easter. In godly play, after Jesus finishes telling all of his parables and performing his miracles, we say, Jesus turned to Jerusalem one last time to become a parable. This idea is foreshadowed in this story, in the feeding of the multitudes since the language used to describe how Jesus blesses and breaks the bread in the story is nearly identical to how Jesus blesses and breaks the bread in the Last Supper in Matthew 26. The blessing and the breaking of the body and tying Jesus's body to the bread that will be given to many is already in this story. So I wondered, if the feeding of the multitudes is a proto-Eucharist, how does that deepen my understanding of the Eucharist? What stood out to me the most is what precedes the miracle. Jesus has compassion and heals the sick. Jesus mends what is broken. And it is only after the whole body is whole does Jesus decide to invite people to the table. And then he blesses and breaks the bread. Perhaps this is why Paul is so adamant about not having any quarrels and to make amends before we come to the table together. I think this is why Paul so passionately exhorts the new churches to be of one body and one mind. Because maybe a prerequisite for true Eucharist is that the body of Christ must be whole in order to receive the body, and in order to be the body. Lastly, there is one more element to the story that evokes the, the Easter story. Before Jesus heals the sick and feeds the multitudes, Jesus withdraws to a deserted, deserted place to be by himself. In the verses leading up to today's here, reading, we learn that John the Baptist was put in prison for bringing King Herod's corruption to light. Although King Herod wants to kill John, he doesn't because he is afraid of his subjects who regard John the Baptist as a prophet. He is afraid that if he kills John, the people might riot. So John the Baptist remains in King Herod's prison until one day, King Herod's co-conspirators ask for John the Baptist's head at a party in front of a large audience, and King Herod has no choice but to comply. After this, 
John the Baptist's disciples go find Jesus to tell him what has happened. This is where our gospel reading starts. Upon hearing this terrible news, Jesus gets into a boat and goes off to a deserted place. We don't know what Jesus does in this place. We don't even know where he goes. All we know is that Jesus goes somewhere where he is sure to be alone. Maybe Jesus weeps. Maybe he raises an angry fist at God. Maybe he laments. Maybe he prays. And maybe he even bargains with his heavenly father. Maybe Jesus is angry at the injustice of the situation. Maybe he's bereaved and at a loss for words at the news of losing his cousin, the very cousin who baptized him. Or maybe Jesus is afraid because his ministry and his message is very similar to John's and he could be next. Maybe Jesus prays a prayer similar to the one he prayed at Gethsemane. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. We do not know. We do not know what Jesus said or what he did or how he even felt. All the scriptures tell us is that Jesus goes to be in a deserted place after he hears the news of his cousin's death. We don't know how the crowd found out, but word got out that Jesus was in town and the people are ecstatic and a huge crowd gathers to see the man who tells amazing parables and they have brought their sick, their possessed and wounded to the miracle healer. This huge crowd finds Jesus' disciples and with the disciples wait for Jesus to come back to shore. My heart hurts for Jesus. I want to scream at the crowds and at the disciples. He has just found out that his cousin has been murdered. Leave the man alone. I am mad at the disciples too. Can't they be better friends? Why can't they tell the crowd to come back tomorrow or next week? It would be understandable if Jesus turned the crowds away or at the sight of them if he turned around and took the boat somewhere else. It would only be human to do so. Yet, Jesus doesn't. When Jesus comes to shore, he is not annoyed, he is not overwhelmed, and he is not filled with dread. Jesus sees the crowds and he is filled with compassion. He goes and tends to the sick and he feeds the hungry. He makes the crowd whole and he prepares them so that they are ready to receive the gifts that he has prepared for them. In the story, there are the miracles of healing and the multiplying of loaves. But I think for me, the biggest miracle is the ongoing miracle of the incarnation. In the middle of Jesus' own heartbreak, he is still able to embody the divine love and presence of God. 
The same spirit that filled Jesus with compassion to heal and then feed many is the same spirit that filled Jesus with compassion to restore the ear of the soldier who took him to see Pilate. This compassion, this presence, this embodiment of love in the face of great personal suffering speaks of the incarnate God. Whether it be in front of a crowd of sick, hungry, and broken people, or enemy soldiers taking him to his death, Jesus still embodies the divine love of God. This is what makes me love Jesus, and this is what makes me want to worship him. However, it doesn't make me want to be like him. And I think most of us have an understanding of how difficult this embodied love and compassion is. This makes following Jesus so hard. I don't like that this same compassion is asked of me, is asked of all of us, especially now. I am tired. I think many of you are like me, and y'all are feeling the fatigue of isolation and Zoom meetings, are burnt out by the cycle of bad news, and are just worn out by age-old divisions that don't seem to be mending anytime soon. If I were to come across a crowd of broken and hungry people right now, I think my first instinct would be to run away. It is difficult work and probably does not come naturally to most of us. I don't think it came naturally to Jesus either. This is the finitude of the human body, mind, and heart. We can become consumed by the tragedies and hardships of this life. And the only way to survive it is we have to make a habit of filling ourselves up with the spirit. Jesus did this. Jesus began his ministry by withdrawing to the desert for 40 days. And while there, he prepared his body, mind, and soul for all the work he had to do. All throughout his ministry, Jesus continued to withdraw to deserted places time and time again to pray, to rest, and to refill with the Spirit so that he overflowed with it when he went out into the world again. This is how we will survive the wilderness that is quarantine. And it is how we will survive the painful and difficult work of healing the breaches in our society. It is also how we will get ready so that we can continue Jesus's work by making the body whole. And in doing so, we are ready to receive the gifts and to become what we already are. Lord, many of us are broken, hungry, and tired, and we long to be whole. Fill our hearts with your spirit so that we may see the way that you see and love others the way that you love. Sustain us as we go out into the world to do your work and may we heed your call as you invite us back into the deserted places so that we are not consumed by the tragedies of this world.
Prepare us so that we may be your body. Prepare us so that we may receive your gifts. And prepare us so that we may be more fully who we already are. Amen.